Hello and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. Today's episode, I am really directing this at anyone who is wanting to apply to SLP. Maybe you're an undergrad, maybe you're just starting out undergrad, maybe you have taken a few years off and now you're applying to SLP. It's really anyone who's applying to SLP, but also for people who have been accepted to the SLP program, I'm going to have tips too. Like I'll have study tips, placement tips, and then I'll just have general tips. And I'm going to try to answer some questions that I've been receiving and I've been compiling. But you know what? I was looking back on all of the kind of, I, I made a little word doc of everything I wanted to cover today. And I was thinking these could be really directed at any person who's applying. It's obviously specific especially for like placement tips it would be probably more similar to like programs with clinical placements but i think my tips for applying could really be used for most people who are applying they're pretty specific tips to applications not necessarily slp applications if that makes sense so yeah basically like i said i'm going to go over tips for applying then i'm going to talk about some study tips the study tips can be used for your undergrad program or your masters then we're going to talk about placement tips. We'll end off with general tips. And if I haven't answered, I'm trying to answer the questions you guys have sent me in what I'm going to tell you already, but like I might just throw in some questions at the end as well. Also, I just want to make it clear that one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because I just finished my SLP program two months ago now. And I, I basically did my four years undergrad in speech sciences at UBC in Vancouver. That's University of British Columbia. And then right after those four years i went straight into my master's program for two years so i've just been in school now for six years and i haven't taken any breaks or anything so i feel like it's all fresh in my mind that's why i want to i want to just put this podcast out there now i feel like it's so common for after a few years of working you almost forget and you have all these new problems like already i'm finding like all of these new challenges with work and i can totally see myself in a year or two not even remembering the stress of school because the stress of work can be so different. So I really just want to put this out there. Just know that these are experiences that worked for me and they're things that I found helpful and it's all just advice. It's not meant to say like this is the only way you can do things. These are just things that I found helpful, little tips and tricks and I thought that maybe you might find them helpful as well. The last thing I'll say is I'm from Vancouver, Canada. You might already know that because I have it on my Instagram. So I'm, this is a Canadian, like we don't have a clinical fellowship here. So that's different and there might just be a few different things with terminology from other places to Canada. So just keep that in mind. And then the last thing, the very last thing is that I was on Thanks Morris's podcast and we did a grad school 101 and I'm going to leave that in the description below. I mean, of course, I'm probably going to say some of the same things over again because I have similar advice, but I am going to try to change it. I don't want this to be just complete repetition of her podcast, of course, but I really wanted something that it's kind of like a deep dive into everything there is to know about wanting to become an SLP, okay? So let's start out with tips for applying. The number one is ask for a strong letter of reference. This is something I mentioned in the Thanks Morris podcast. My brother is a professor, and his one piece of advice for me was, make sure when you ask for a letter of reference, you ask for a strong letter of reference. Because sometimes when you're asking for just a letter of reference, someone might say yes, like a professor, they might be like, okay, but you don't want just a mediocre letter, you want it to be a good letter. So make sure you're asking for a strong letter of reference, and then if they say yes to that, you can 
feel that the letter they're going to give you is going to be a good one. It just helps because I've seen some people and even in other programs like medicine and different types of programs, so not always SLP, but where they don't get into a program and they're like, what the heck? How did I not get in? I literally have such a high GPA. I have so many extracurriculars. I did so well in the GRE. I, I don't know where it went wrong. And that, that's when you really have to take a look at like who are your letter of references or who's writing your letter of references and were they strong ones? Because you never want to have to worry about a letter of reference. Like that should be something that is 100% good. That, that is what someone's saying about you and you want it to be strong. So that's, I think, actually very important. And then another just tip for when you're getting letters of reference, and this is another tip. So my brother also gave me this tip and his wife she did a lot of schooling she's a lawyer now so they both in school for a long time and he's still working in academia but she said that it's so common that she would see for my brother students would they wouldn't volunteer in any of his labs they wouldn't go to his office hours and then all of a sudden he gets an email from them saying hi can you write me a letter just don't be that person because you really want to make sure if you're asking for a letter that professor knows your name, they know your face, they know who you are. So that's not just gonna magically happen, they're not just gonna magically know who you are. So what I did, and I think this is just like a really easy way to make sure professors know who you are, I would choose maybe two professors a term because if you're in five classes, I was always in five classes, so I would choose two profs a term, one to two, because sometimes there's not two that you feel you want a letter from maybe you're not interested in their research or maybe you just don't like their class or their style of teaching or whatnot. So I would choose one to two profs a term and I would literally put their office hours into my course schedule. So I would have my classes and office hours and I would go every single week. I would go to their office hours. You might be like, I don't have any questions. And this is, I, I also am trying not to be like a know-it-all now and just be like, this is what you have to do, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> this might sound annoying, but like if you don't have questions after a lecture, I don't think you were listening because you should always have some sort of a question. It could be a question about the content. It could be a question about the readings. It could be a question of just personal interest in the topic. It could be a question about anything. You should always have at least some sort of a question. And I mean, if you're going to class, you want to be listening to that degree anyways. You want to be focusing because, well, then why did you even go? You know, like, especially if they don't take attendance, it's like, well, then why did you even go? You could have just been at home. So I, when I, especially in undergrad, in my master's program, classes were mandatory and 100% zoned out a lot, you guys. I'm just telling the truth. But in undergrad, when you need those letters, you want to make sure that you are paying attention. And once again, I'm not saying for all five classes, you need to be like writing down questions, but for those one to two profs and their classes, at the end of every lecture, write down a question, write down two questions, and then have that little notebook with your little questions from the week and go to office hours and then ask every week. And they're gonna be like, wow, I can't believe this. This girl's literally here, or this guy is here every single week. They're gonna like it because it just shows that you care and that you're interested in the material. And it guarantees that they know your name and your face. So one thing you can do to make sure they know your name is just the first time you can introduce yourself and just let them know that you're in their course. And I mean, this is like, of course, we don't want to be like at their office hours, like every second and 
and and almost like you don't want to be like for lack of a better word like annoying but if you just go ask your question and leave like you don't need to like stay for the entire hour like there's always those people who just like are you can tell like the prop is like oh my goodness like please stop but if you are paying attention in class you go to class on time and you go to their office hours every week because you actually have genuine questions I'm pretty sure if I was a professor and then there were students coming with genuine questions, even if it's just one or two questions, and you know what, if sometimes your question is like just a simple question, maybe don't go that week, save now you have two for next week. You know what I mean? Like just use also common sense, but my point, all of this is to say you need to take control over the situation and make sure that they know who you are because it's a competitive program and you want those letters to be good, okay? So another way you can do it, well, not another way, I would do this in addition, I did this as well. But I remember I went to, I was talking with an SLP in undergrad and I was like, I don't know how to get into a program, like what's the best way to get in? And I was always just so worried about getting into the SLP program and she said, programs care a lot about research, especially if it's in a more academic program. So the program that I wanted to go to was pretty academic based. So she was like, you don't need to be publishing articles necessarily, just make sure you're in a lab of some sort and do some research. But like I'm going to say soon, it's um, on one of my lists of things is like, people are always like, how do you stand out? And if you've listened to the Thanks Morris podcast, I say, also you guys, I talk so fast. Oh my goodness. I literally need to slow down. <laughs> oh my God. Solo pods are really hard for me to just, you know, keep it slow because as soon as they get excited, I just can talk so fast. Wow. But anyways, make sure it's it's authentic to yourself. Don't go into a lab that is on maybe like stroke recovery if you literally know you don't want to work with adults and you absolutely love working with little kids. Of course, you should do things to make you a well-rounded applicant, but if you're going to be volunteering at a lab for 5 hours a week, I know mine was 5 hours a week, some are long, some are more, some are less. Just make sure it's at least a lab you're interested in. So, I chose to volunteer at a lab that I wanted a letter from this prof and I loved her i just thought she was the best she was so great her lab was super interesting to me do what you're interested in don't just do like i know sometimes people will be like oh do this or volunteer with this or volunteer with this population because that will get you in and that looks good on resume i never did things that i thought just looked good on a resume i did things because i wanted to learn and I actually thought they would be helpful for me as a clinician. I wouldn't just choose things like that. It feels very inauthentic to me and I don't like to do things like that. And I just, if I did things like that, I would have no motivation. I just can't do that. And I don't recommend it because I don't think you're going to be able to do it for a long period of time if you're doing something just because you think it'll look good in your resume. Of course, we're all thinking about a resume, but then at least choose a volunteer position that really is something you find interesting. So one more tip. For reference letters. I know this is crazy reference letter. <laughs> what, a, what a start. Anyways, for the reference letters, I remember I talked to an SLP who was just, I think she's in her second year SLP, and I met her at a summer job. And I asked her again, because I asked everyone, like, what's your best piece of advice? And she was like, whatever you do, ask in advance for letters of reference. She said that so many people she knew waited until like that semester or they just waited only a few months early no i literally asked over a year in advance so i had to submit my application in january and i asked at the end of december before coming back from christmas break so i asked over a year in advance and the profs did not think that was weird they were like oh thank you so much for letting me know ahead of time i'll make sure that this is done and the worst case scenario is you ask 
and it's too late and they're like I'm sorry but I've already committed to x number of students and I actually can't do your letter this goes with what I was saying about getting two profs a term because if you have two profs a term obviously you're not going to need that many letters of reference because that would be just way too many letters usually I don't even know every school is different but like so say you need three letters of reference from from professors that's perfect because what if one prof is sick and they're on leave or what if one prof is on mat leave you need a wide variety of options so to summarize ask for a strong letter of reference make sure the profs know you before asking ask early send reminders profs like reminders it's helpful if you're worried they're gonna forget i sent reminders every few months and then as it got closer i sent more reminders you can also ask you can say do you want reminders if you're worried you're gonna be annoying and they'll probably say thank you that's wonderful i'd love a reminder moving into prerequisites and this question was from someone i'm gonna read you the email she sent me she said i'm planning on applying to multiple schools across canada so i was wondering how exactly to ensure i take the right courses i know courses like phonetics intro to psychology and developmental psychology are pretty much the same across all schools but i feel like courses like physiology are quite different for each program so to answer this question this is a very like specific question but i mean i was also worried about that okay a few things one call two email three research so i called all the time i find calling is the most efficient but that being said an email really is great because it's in writing. So sometimes I would call and I would say, hey, I have this course. Either where could I find or if, okay, oh my God. Also, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being so like all over the place, but let's back up for a second. Always check before you call because that is like the worst thing ever if you call and they're like, what? So I'm assuming if you're asking this question, because you can't find it. So first, of course, try and find it. Okay. Do everything you can to try to find it. If you can't find it, which is, I'm assuming if you're like you know it's hard to find sometimes they are hard to find and sometimes it's very vague and sometimes it's not there at all like that's happened to me so many times when I was applying to Canada um I mean to schools in Canada I was like this is literally not online so then call and then you can either email and confirm you can be like hi I called today and I'm just confirming that this course is an equivalent to this course blah 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 whatever but then it's in writing and that's perfect because then no one can say that you know like they said that to you and it's in writing so boom done and then from there like with courses you can also make Excel sheets. I don't, you know what? I say Excel sheets. I don't even like Excel. So I would more like use tables on Google Doc or something and just try to like organize it from there. But like put your schools in and put the course equivalents and it just really like make it very, very clear for yourself to see. I very, I like love to organize like everything very detailed in all areas of my life. I, I like clear and concise schedules that make sense. A lot of the times when I would email and ask, I would just send the syllabus. So I'd be like, this is my syllabus, is this the same? Because it gets so confusing when you're like, this course number, Ling 201, whatever, um, is that the same as this? They might be like, I have absolutely no idea either. Like, why your course name is not helping me. So I would send the syllabus and I found that that usually helped them because if you don't send the syllabus when you ask about course equivalents, they're just gonna say, please send me the syllabus. So. I do feel like your application starts from your very first time you email the school, from your very first phone call. That's when your application begins. So you really want to have a very, you just want to seem organized. Like everything you do is a reflection of yourself. So your emails and your phone calls and everything should be respectful, organized, concise, and clear. Okay, so then I had another where it said, how do you stand out? Especially for the personal statement, it's such a competitive program and I want to make sure I'm putting my best self forward. I have so much to say about this question. People are always so worried about standing out and I even remember in undergrad I was like I don't have a story I didn't go to speech therapy when I was little I, I 
haven't had siblings gone to speech therapy. I never even knew what an SLP was. Like I don't have some beautiful story and those stories are so great. I'm so happy for you if you have a story like that. That's awesome. And don't not like you can share that story. That's great. But if you're like me and you just love SLP because you think it's interesting and stimulating and you like rehab and you like that side of the job, that's okay. You don't need to have some crazy story to get into the program. I never had any crazy story. I didn't have, like honestly, I just took a bunch of linguistics courses, thought they were super interesting. Literally when I went into undergrad, I wanted to do economics. I loved econ. I thought it was so cool. And then after a few math classes, I was like, absolutely not. This is not for me. I can't live this life. So I just switched. I literally went into linguistics. I'm in general arts. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what I should do. And then I just took some ling courses finally was doing well. I was like, oh my God, I love this. Who knew? I I could do well in classes because like obviously I wasn't doing well in math anyways. And so I went to an arts advisor and they were like, oh, you know what? SLP might be great for you. That sounds like everything you're looking for. And I was like, wow, obviously you can see my story is not like a beautiful story. And I applied and got into every program. First choice. I got early acceptance into most programs. So I'm not like trying to be like, I got early, but it's like, I am so like just like normal I don't have special story and I got in so you can too so seriously stop worrying about that I hate when people well hate's aggressive I just don't like when people worry about standing out because you can't control anything about like the stories that you've had and stuff like that so don't be worried about comparing yourself to someone who has seen an SLP like their whole life or something like that okay okay so now how do I stand out this is gonna sound really cliche and I'm sorry because I, I don't like giving cliche answers but honestly just be authentic and just be yourself. Like I hate how cliche that just sounded, but you just need to use your experiences as examples. I remember someone told me a couple years ago, and I remember I was comparing myself a lot and I would compare myself to everyone and be like, they're doing this. Like I should be doing that. Or they got this mark and I got a lower mark or whatever. And they said, you need to keep your blinders on as if you're in a horse race. So horses have blinders on their eyes and it helps because they run faster because they can't look to the side and compare themselves i'm obsessed with that analogy and truly i think that is such a key piece of advice do not compare yourself to other people it will not help you you can collaborate with people who are going to the programs you can but as soon as it gets negative and you have negative self-talk stop stop what you're doing and keep your blinders on and just look straight ahead okay because it's so debilitating to look at what everyone else is doing and comparing yourself and you know what Everyone gets into the program and you're all going to have very different unique experiences because you're all unique and that's great. Like that is wonderful. So with that, I would just say focus less on standing out, quote unquote. So focus less on quote unquote standing out and more on becoming someone who inherently stands out. So how you can do that, here are some questions you can ask yourself to be someone who stands out, not tries to be someone who stands out, okay? One, What makes you, you? What makes you unique? What do you like doing? Keyword, like. Like, what do you enjoy doing? Why do you want to be an SLP? This doesn't need to be like some emotional answer, but like, why do you literally want to be an SLP? And reflect on that. Because I told the truth in my personal statement. I was like, I like playing with children. I find it rewarding. Or I like creating creative sessions i like organizing i like planning i and i said the truth i was like i like 
working with families. I like rehab because I like seeing growth and change over time. I find that rewarding. Literally just start asking yourself the deeper questions. Why do you want to do this? And tell the truth. The answer can just be the truth. I never lied in my interviews. I always told the truth. I told my truth in my interviews and I told the truth in my letters. Don't lie. Like be yourself and own it. Own your truth. Like that sounds so cliche, but own it. Okay. If you watch Housewives, Lisa Rinna, own it. Okay. 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 So another thing is become someone who is well-rounded instead of making yourself seem well-rounded. So for me, I just said yes to everything. Like that might not be a good idea, but you can find out what you like and you can find out what you don't like real quick if you start saying yes to different experiences and opportunities in undergrad. So for example, I volunteered with the Canucks Autism Network. It's children with autism. I said yes to a summer school job at a Down Syndrome Research Foundation. I said yes to volunteering with a Stroke Recovery Association. Found out I didn't love that. I actually really do like working with older adults, which I found out in my acute care placement, but for some reason that stroke recovery, it wasn't for me. And just say yes to everything and have lots of different experiences under your belt. Do research labs so you have the research side of it. Volunteer, also work. Like, I loved nannying and I wanted to have a job that I was getting paid for, but I also loved behavioral interventionist work, but I also loved volunteering at my lab. So for two years, I did everything and I did everything part-time. Obviously, you can't do everything full-time, but that's sometimes good instead of having one full-time SLPA job for four years. I mean, obviously that can be good because it shows you're committed, but I'm really happy with what I did because... I got different types of experiences and it was really interesting to have all those different sides. So definitely consider that. One thing is just be realistic. Check the averages online and check the accepted student averages and aim for the accepted student average only. So if the program says like, we, we like something about 75% GPA, that's just not like that's sure they say that, but go on and check what the accepted student averages are because it's probably going to be a lot higher and you want to be realistic. You don't want to be like, okay, like I I have that or whatever. No, like, you know, you want to be able to boost your average to the competitive average. So you need to make sure you have a competitive average. I'm not just going to pretend like anyone can get into any program ever. Like that's just not the case, especially with SLP. It's very, it's like a competitive program. There just aren't a lot of spots and you need to be realistic about your GPA. Obviously don't be hard on yourself. Try your best, but I mean, maybe you're going to need to take a few more courses to boost your average. That's okay. Also, side note, you'll just not do well in some courses and don't let that stress you out, okay? Because I remember I was such a little keener in undergrad and I always wanted A plus in every class and then stats came around and oh my God, statistics is the worst. Personally, just not my strong suit. (laughs) I literally did so poorly in that class and I remember thinking, just so dramatic. I was like, I will never get into SLP because of this one class. I will literally never get in. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do what I did because I was so worried. I cried over it. Cried after the midterm, cried after the final, and guess what? Still got in. Everything's fine. One of my really good friends, her average is so high, and I think she's like failed a linguistics course in first year or something. She let that eat her up for four years, and she was like, I will never get in because I failed that linguistics course it's okay some schools only take your top certain number of credits anyway so just don't worry okay those are my general application tips my overall thing would just be try your best that's what my mom always told me whenever i'd be like i'm worried i'm worried she's like okay well did you try your best and i would be like yes and she's like okay then don't worry like you tried your best there's literally nothing else you can do and that is so freeing 
If you tried your best, you're good. Whatever's gonna happen will happen and you don't have control over it anymore. So try your best, put your best self forward. And then at the end of the day, you know what? Maybe you'll have to apply again and that's okay. I know a lot of people who had to apply two, three times and that's fine. They're not gonna, they're gonna be great SLPs. And you know what? Some years are more competitive than others. So just, you know what? Keep trying, but at the same time, you should be realistic. So maybe you will have to raise your average or do more volunteer experience or whatnot. But yes, so those are my application tips. I really hope they're helpful. I I want them to be like tangible for you guys, but I also don't want to like sugarcoat it and be like, just try your best and like, don't work hard. It's like, no, 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 no. Like definitely work hard, you know, but once you've worked hard and you put in the work, let it go. Moving on to grad school. First, we're going to talk about study tips. I have a variety of tips. I'm just going to start going through them. So number one, I mentioned this on the Thanks Morris podcast, so there will be some overlap here. Time blocking. I think that's what it's called. The Skinny Confidential does it a lot and basically block chunks of time for certain types of things. This whole morning was dedicated to podcasting and SLP corner. And then my next couple hours are going to be dedicated to studying for the ASHA exam. And then my next couple of hours are going to be prepping for my sessions tomorrow morning. Try your best not to jump when you're studying and you're trying to do all the things you need to do for grad school. Or even if you're an undergrad, don't jump from like this and then this or this class and then this class. Like first I'll do phonology, then I'll do dysphagia. It's like, honestly, I find it so helpful to dedicate blocks and chunks of time to one thing. Okay, like that's huge. So chunk your time in hours. Like this will be for this. This will be for this. And then when I'm studying, like literally studying for exams, use timers. I find it so helpful. So I'll set a timer. There's a name for this. My friend told me about it. Well, I told her I was doing it and she was like, oh, and then she like said the name for it. I'm like, oh, nice. I literally thought I made it up, but I didn't. I set a timer for like, say, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever my attention span is that day. And I'll do 20 minutes no phone, literally throw your phone across the room and focus on studying for 20 minutes. And then you can get up and do a five minute break during your breaks, get up, make your bed, do laundry, clean the kitchen. I, well, that's me cause I like studying at home, but like it, I don't know. I find it very helpful to move and use my, it's kind of like a body break movement break instead of just like studying and always using your mind. Don't waste your breaks on scrolling through your phone mindlessly. That's just like not, I just, I mean, I obviously do it, but it's just not helpful. So try to be cognizant of that and try to get up and move around. Okay. Schedules. Make them very specific, but not too specific, okay? So, like, I definitely have, like, my top priorities of the day every day, and I would X them off. But also, think about when is my midterm. You're going to have a lot of midterms and everything in your program, and you're going to have a lot of, like, group projects. Like, just, there's so many projects and assignments I found. It just felt like never-ending projects. So, try to just have all of that organized and clear on your schedule so you know what's coming and there's no surprises because that'll be definitely a lot of dates. Of course, make sure you take breaks. I kind of mentioned that already, but like take bigger breaks as well. You want to have, you know, work-life balance, grad school life balance and whatever that is, hobbies, whatnot. Just make sure you have breaks. One thing that I always like to do is I like to have three different books on the go. I like to have an educational kind of like self-help, self-improvement book. I like to have an SLP book and I like to have like a drama romance novel or something like that or like a thriller every night before I go to bed I will read because it just helps me fall asleep so if I'm feeling like productive maybe I'll read my SLP book or if I'm feeling anxious I'll read my self-help book but if I'm feeling like I just want to escape I will read like my thriller like two nights ago I stayed up all night reading the wives and wow just you should read it I mean don't read it if you're easily scared anyways so definitely take breaks and have hobbies outside of school you don't want to be someone who's just doing school all the time which is really easy to do when you're in your program because it's pretty 
pretty busy. Also, start early. You're going to have a lot of assignment deadlines and just like start early and try to be proactive about your schedule so you don't leave everything to the last minute and you become very overwhelmed. I mean, it'll happen, but just I would try your best to start early just because in your, you're in grad school now and you think like, oh, like it'll be fine. I'm already in grad school. The anxiety isn't worth it, you know, so just try and start early and get things over with. One piece of advice that my friend got from an advisor in our program was if you're finding the workload to be a lot, literally set a timer for say, okay, say it's like a paper that's, I don't know, five pages. You have to do some research and write this little paper. Literally set a timer. Maybe the timer will be an hour. Set a timer for 60 minutes. And when that timer goes, you're submitting that paper. This is if it's getting overwhelming because for her, she was starting to feel really overwhelmed and the workload was just becoming a lot. And the advisor was like, look, your marks aren't honestly very important. As long as you're not applying to another program after this, you don't need really high marks. So if you're feeling the workload impossible and you're feeling the assignments are just taking you forever and ever, you shouldn't be spending seven hours on an assignment. Set a timer and when it's done, obviously don't submit half of an assignment, but like if it's done and it's pretty good, don't let your perfectionist self come out. Like you can submit it, it's okay. Like I said, you know what? Like my quality of work went downhill fast in (laughs) my master's program because I realized I don't need to be a perfectionist. Like I don't need to be a type A. Like, you know, we're, it's, it's all good. Okay. Get your sleep. Some people like get your sleep, but know your schedule. So some people just like to work all night and sleep in and that's fine. I don't know. I feel like it's so judgy. Like you should get up at five and go to bed at nine and then you're on a good productive schedule. That's not true. If you You should read Game Changers by Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey talks a lot about the different circadian rhythms and how it's okay, like everyone has a different circadian rhythm. Some people, they're more productive if they stay up late. Some people are more productive in the morning. Personally, I'm a lot more productive in the morning, but other people aren't and it's okay. So just know yourself and know what works for you, but definitely try to get sleep. Like if you have an exam the next day, I wouldn't stay up entire night studying. Like just, you know, I mean, I saw that all the time in my program. Like one of my closest friends does that and I... It's just, it never turns out well, you know? So just think about those types of things and just try not to do them. I think those are obvious though. Also just like ask for help, like ask people what resources they've used. I remember we had second years have these really helpful binders. So I copied them and I made helpful binders with resources and just ask for help, reach out. People are so helpful when you just ask and you're vulnerable and wanting some guidance. All of that to say, I just went into all those study tips so quickly, but it will be very overwhelming. I remember specifically the first month. I did feel like after the first month, you know, I was good to go. It got much better. And especially after the first term, much better. Second year, I started my blog and everything. And I felt like I, I, even though I was almost think I should have been busier technically because I was in placement and I was in school and everything. But I don't know. I I felt like I had more time. I, I, it's probably just one of those things where you get the hang of it, you know, but just be easy on yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Like, The first week I cried to my mom on the phone multiple times and I was so worried and I was like, this is just the worst, you know? And now I'm in a job and like, guess what? I cried multiple times and I've said it's just the worst. So I think that we're seeing a pattern here of just transitions are hard and new things are hard and it just gets easier. So just try to know that and remember that and don't worry too much about everything. Like it'll all work out somehow. It will all work out and everything will be fine. And don't let anyone scare you because I remember our program director or some, I don't know if it was a prop. I don't know. I don't, someone in the admin team, they were like for every hour in class, you're gonna have three hours outside of class or something like that. Not true. Okay. Like, no, that's just not true. Of course, some classes will be more demanding, but like, don't let them say these. Don't listen to that. I just want to be real with you guys right now. I'm like, 
that is just not a helpful thing to say to students that's so anxiety inducing for people who are already stressed out and it's not true like you'll figure out your own schedule and everyone's different some people work faster some people work slower some people work faster in certain classes and some people work slower in certain classes so don't listen to those huge statements of like for every hour it'll be three no like i can't like i just that's not helpful okay placement tips once again, for placement tips, don't listen to people when they say scary things to you, okay? Because so many times, we before placement, we'd have our, like these admin instructors come in and they'd be like, oh my god, horror story here, horror story there, like don't do this, don't do this. We literally had an entire lecture on how to email. Personally, I don't think that was helpful. They were like nitpicking every single thing and that is so anxiety inducing. Just use your common sense, okay? And I'm here to just talk about common sense. I'm not here to like give you more anxiety and no we need tangible takeaways and i should probably be doing that in other programs maybe it's just my program oops okay so one is go in with a positive attitude okay just be positive you know when they say like when you're really anxious and stressed if you just look in the mirror you'll feel happy like you'll feel better just by smiling look in the mirror smile and you will feel lighter same thing goes for like if you're feeling really worried or stressed about a placement just have a positive attitude, okay? That's like the number one thing. No one can take that away from you. And actually, low-key, so people can definitely take that away from you if they are not nice to you. But I mean, like, it's something that you can have even if you don't know things. You can still be positive. So that's just important. Ask for feedback. If you feel like you're not getting feedback, ask. Don't ask in the middle of a session or don't ask like at a really horrible time. But just take time of the day or maybe... I'd be like, when could we do feedback and ask them? Their job is to help you and give feedback. So, I mean, I think we've all had instances where we've had clinical educators who don't give you any feedback and try to take control over the situation like you are the student and just ask for feedback. And then when you're going into placement, know what you don't know and know what you want to know. So most of my, I think almost every placement I had, I got taken and we like sat down on the first day and they were like, look, and I might be lucky on this. Maybe this isn't common, but I think you should be prepared for this and you should just know this in general where do you want to learn more and where do you feel like you're you're feeling pretty good at right now like or not even necessarily good but like you feel you've had experience and where have you not had experience and just be prepared to answer those questions because your clinical educator wants to help you and they won't know what you need help with so instead of them going on and on about our tick maybe you're like you know what actually like motor speech um like apraxia is something i want more experience in or like maybe i've never looked at an aac system before can we focus on AAC or maybe I need help with parent coaching like where do you need help and like know that so you can get the most out of your placement always try and be prepared and be one step ahead thanks Morris mentioned in I think the podcast I had her on my podcast and she talked about adaptable activities so like have activities that are adaptable that can change in an instant try to be prepared try to have more activities than you think because the worst is when you plan a session and then it's like four activities and then all of a sudden four activities are done 30 minutes left no, that's the worst. So just, I mean, we've all been there, but just try to have, try to have some activities. Try to just know a few songs for kids. Just, you know, just try to have general, like just be prepared and be one step ahead. I remember in my acute care placement, I always had tongue depressors in my pocket because they obviously we needed them for our oral mix. And so whenever my CE would be like, oh darn, I don't have a, I don't have a tongue depressor. I'd be like, oh, I have one. And I always had one. And I always had a notebook. I like just always be prepared. So you're just one step ahead because you can like they're they have so much more on their mind than you because they're the ones who are like, you know, I mean, obviously if you're these are for early placements, like later on you'll be doing more of the caseload. But early on, like they're the ones who are worrying about everything. So think about all the things they're gonna forget. 
Maybe they're going to forget a pen. Maybe they're going to forget a tongue depressor. Maybe they're going to forget just the small things, you know, and just remember and help them because it'll just translate to a better relationship that you'll have with them. And if you're helping them, they'll want to help you and it'll just be more positive all around. Okay. And of course, it'll be more efficient. Okay. Next, what is your bounce back rate, people? You need to have a high bounce back rate. Me and my mom always talk about this because, well, we talk about it more from like an emotional standpoint. Like if we get in a fight, how fast can we bounce back? And the same thing goes for if something goes wrong or if you make a big mistake. Bounce back. You need to have a high bounce back rate. When things go awry and you're so stressed out and you, or maybe you said something like really weird and awkward, or maybe you just did something that was wrong or you embarrassed yourself, bounce back, just change the channel. My mom would tell me when I was little, she would be like, literally pretend you're holding a remote and click, change the channel. You change to a positive channel. No more dwelling or ruminating, okay? Ruminating is not helpful. I am guilty of it, but just try to just not ruminate, you know? Okay. I would also be prepared and read up ahead of time. So like, obviously you don't need to be like studying so hard for your placement, but I mean, I would like... I had a placement that was very focused on the early start Denver model. So I got both from Amazon. Obviously that's expensive. So you can also just go to your school library and they'll probably have it as well. But just read up on it, like familiarize yourself with it and and just it'll it'll be a better learning for you because you'll know what's going on more and you'll be able to do more quicker. Obviously these last two I think should go without saying, but I'm just going to say them anyways. Show up on time. Just don't be late. I think that's like the worst thing you could do is be late. Just do not be late okay that's just so important just not a good look and be easy to work with i'm just gonna dive into something that i saw on i think it's called natural life instagram they said 10 things that take zero talent but will get you 100 respect and this is what i mean when i say be easy to work with one be on time two have a strong work ethic work hard three put in effort care about your work four have positive positive body language don't look slumped down and like you're so upset like look happy and you'll feel happier like i've already mentioned five have energy what gives you energy for me i'll be working out spending time alone i don't spending time with friends honestly like i'm introverted that does nothing for me i love my friends but if i need energy i need quiet time alone i need silence and solitude so know yourself one of my best friends she gets energy from spending time with people so if you're someone who's like that go hang out with your friends after work go for a walk or go work out get a lot of sleep like just have energy when you're at work because you don't want to just be like that person who's always so tired okay have a positive attitude you know if you're if you're feeling down just try to get some perspective on the situation remember why you love slp and why you enjoy the work like bring that passion to the workforce and passion is just infectious people like it be coachable take feedback seriously and try to be someone who can hear feedback and not take it personally not everything is personal so if someone gives you feedback listen just try to do it if someone tells you something like don't right away think like no 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 just like okay like i'll try to do that next time i don't know okay next do extra so just clean up the room a little bit you want to seem like you really care this is like becoming a longer podcast than i expected okay so now we're into just general life tips i'm gonna end on this balance i've mentioned it before but you want hobbies outside of slp whatever that is have a balance remember that that's very important like even if it's one day a week you're doing something fun have that one day a week where it's really fun or maybe every day before bed you're gonna read you don't want to be burnt out and and if you are burnt out listen to the podcast i did with Catherine and bb because it's just you really need to have some time to recharge okay think big picture you made it to the program you're here you did it so don't worry about all the little details that don't matter like what's gonna matter in a year it's not gonna matter how you did in your dysphagia course it's just not but you know what will matter 
did you learn anything about dysphagia? Like, do can you go into your hospital placement and know what's going on? That will matter. But will it matter, like, the exact mark you got on that one paper in dysphagia? No, it won't. So just try to have perspective. In undergrad, I might say, like, yeah, actually, that will matter because your marks matter a lot. But it's just, that's not the way it is in your master's program. And that's one of the beautiful things about a master's program. Usually you're not doing more schooling, so you're good to go. Be gentle with yourself and just do your best. I've already said this, but just really be gentle with yourself and be forgiving on yourself and just try your best and then let it go. Always keep trying, keep improving your application, like even for jobs. I started the blog because I felt like it would be a productive use of my time. So I didn't just like join the program and I was like, oh, I'm never going to like try anything ever again. I started the blog and just, you can do things like that. Like try to just do like, I don't know. I wouldn't just completely stop trying everything. Keep moving forward or else you can get stagnant. I find that it's easier to be like a motivated, high energy person when you're moving forward and you're still trying hard in all your areas of life. And then, um, like I said before, if you get rejected, it's honestly fine just apply again lots of people don't get in their first time so really be easy on yourself if any of you have questions about anything i reply to all my emails i get email me at shannon at slpcorner.com i often okay i try so hard to reply to your dms but i know there are dms that i haven't remembered to reply to either send me another message or just email me shannon at slpcorner.com okay i always reply i want to help you guys i wish i had a podcast to listen to when i was an undergrad because i didn't even like i didn't even have instagram in undergrad so i didn't even like know about this blogger community but like take advantage of it use it to help you everyone in this field is so kind and empathetic and so just patient and understanding reach out to people and, and ask for help the other day i reached out to anna dslp because i was feeling really overwhelmed and stressed about my new job i get so much support in it and everything but a new job like anything it's exhausting and draining and stressful so reach out for help people will help you and it's nice to connect with other people the last thing i'm going to say is that i hope that this was valuable to you i'm going to be doing a new grad podcast because this is kind of like for people applying and people in the program but now that i am literally a new grad in the workforce i'm realizing oh my god you guys like it's just imposter syndrome that's all i'll say imposter syndrome (laughs) I uh, definitely want to do a new podcast. Let me know if you like these solo episodes. This one's kind of long compared to my normal podcast. But anyways, just let me know like if you liked it. And maybe I can throw in more. This was something I got a lot of questions about. And I got a lot of DMs about. So I thought it was something I should do, especially heading into September. But yeah, let me know. And I will see everybody next Monday. <laughs>